welcome to Innovation City. I'm Allison Joy, I'm the editor-in-chief of Comstocks Magazine. Uh, you may have read Vanessa, who will be up next, her piece um, on our website about this event and the Climate for Innovation in Sacramento on our website last week. Um, I won't take too much of your time, just wanted to give you a bit more information about our publication. So Comstocks, uh, we are a regional business publication. We cover Sacramento County and the nine surrounding county counties. Um, our goal is to connect businesses and entrepreneurs to the resources they need to be successful. Um, <clears throat> A couple things about us, so in addition to our monthly print publication, which has been around for almost 30 years, um, we are hoping to do more events like this. This is our first event that we have kind of co-produced ourselves, uh, but we hope to do more, so please send your feedback to editorial at comstocksmag.com. Um, and then just, we will also be launching a podcast next month, so I encourage you to go to our website uh, and sign up for our newsletter. You'll be able to stay informed on that. We're very excited about that, and it'll be a lot of these similar topics. And um, quick shout out to, can I get Kiara? Can you put your hand up? There's Kiara, that's our community engagement specialist. You may have recognized her from some of our events. Um, she sort of manages our presence at the events we sponsor. And then I just wanna give a shout out to, she just disappeared on me, Sina Christian, are you somewhere here? There she is at the back of the room. Um, Sina is sort of the unsung hero of this event. She's done a lot of the, the legwork to get it started along with Vanessa. I have the lucky job of getting to take credit for everybody's work, but really I, uh, I owe it to them. So thank you guys, and thank you, Vanessa. I will pass it off to you. Thanks, Allison, and thank you, everybody, for coming. Um, it's our first event here at the Clara Auditorium. So for many of you who may not know, this has been around for almost a year, and uh, the auditorium is a lovely space, especially in the daytime. So we're planning to have a few more events here. Uh, the goal for California Groundbreakers is basically to focus on all things and everything innovative here in California, in Sacramento, in the Central Valley, and uh, in the entire state, pretty much. So we have basically done about, I think this is our sixth or seventh event, but I have to say this is probably the highest point because the mayor of Sacramento is here. So for me, I'm like, well, I can rest on my laurels. <laughs> but... Uh, I'm partnering up with Comstocks on this event, and actually the first event that we that we did was a spinoff from a Comstocks story. My day job is I'm a business writer. I wrote a story for Comstocks on the Art Hotel, which had uh, opened up and did gangbusters, and the story was about what happens next. And I only had so much word space, and I interviewed all these people. I thought there's so much material. Uh, why not turn it into a panel and see if it flies and who will show up. Well, 200 people, I think, more or less showed up. We had a Beatnik Studios. I learned that there's definitely an interest and a desire for events like this where you get to go uh, to come and listen to great people talk about what they're doing and then go to the mic and ask them questions and have food and drink. And also, um, I learned that people here in Sacramento are very friendly and helpful. Um, I have a lot of people to thank for putting on these events um, so I just quickly want to thank them before we get started. Uh, first of all, first of all, I want to thank Megan Wigan, who runs Clara, who offered the auditorium. This is a lovely space. I want to thank J.E. Pano, who is here pouring, and I, I was joking how I only, he hasn't poured in an event outside of Roost Dollars, but because the mayor was here, he showed up. I know that's not true, but he has definitely been a very big supporter, not only of California Groundbreakers, but of Art Hotel and Art Street of Sac Ballet. So a special thanks to you, J.E. and Brandon for always manning the, the taps. Uh, I also want to thank Comstocks, of course, for saying, yeah, you know, let's write a story and turn to a panel and see what happens. We did a story on Innovation City that uh, was last week's on the website 
kind of focusing on this, and then uh, we're going to focus more on beyond the tech innovation, the arts and food. So I got an extra couple of panelists to talk about that. Um, so thank you, Sina, Allison, and Kiara for your help. Uh, my advisory board members who are here and helped me get the panel together, and Nicole Grant, Tiffany Sharp, Scott Eggert, uh, Rachel Smith, Jennifer Rindall. I think that is, if I'm missing anyone, you can scream at me later. Last but not least, our esteemed panelists, thank you very much for coming to speak. And of course, you, the audience, for coming out. I very much appreciate your time. I'm going to pass the mic over to someone who's going to kick off um, the discussion we're going to have about innovation and what Sacramento is planning to do uh, in the next few months, years, and what, how that will transform the city in many ways. So I'd like to give a heartfelt um, welcome and appreciation to our mayor, Daryl Steinberg. Thank you. Thank you very much, Vanessa. And thank you, Allison. Thank you to Comstock's Magazine. Thank you uh, to all who organized this event. And what an incredible crowd. Not quite as big as the crowd on Capitol Mall on Saturday, <laughs> but close, but close. And did that represent the spirit of Sacramento or what? I mean, I was so proud to be walking with my fellow Sacramentans to march for Sacramento values. And it, it was just another reminder to me of just how special this city and this community is. And so we gather here tonight, different purpose, but really the same kind of energy. And I noticed the title of tonight's panel here, read my notes here. Does Sacramento have what it takes to be an innovation city? Do we really have to answer that question? <laughs> I mean, we are demonstrating it. We're not nearly done with achieving our desired stature as a destination city, as an innovation city, but we are well on our way. For I recognize as your new mayor, in the same way that Mayor Johnson, who started the Rails program and the Innovation Fund recognized that while we are proud, as I have often said, to be the center of government and public service, that that's not nearly enough anymore. That we have to build a high-wage private sector economy. And it's not just about attracting jobs. It, that's, of course, it's about that. But that's too plain. It's about creating an aura and an atmosphere where people want to choose to live here because of what it represents, because of what we have to offer, because of the quality of life, because of the vitality and excitement. And so innovation is a broad term. But to me, it really, in our city, is the intersection of technology, food, and arts. Last week or two weeks ago, we took a step and said, you know what? The Innovation Fund ought to not just be about one thing. We're putting forward a half a million dollars to seed visions, concepts, 
businesses that actually put forward that intersection to figure out how we can grow our farm-to-fork economy, to determine how we can support this emerging young arts community. We've starved the arts, frankly, in Sacramento for far too long. And technology, of course, is a broad concept, and it means attracting tech from the Bay Area and elsewhere, but it also means growing our own and fostering the right kind of environment to do so. So the people here and here know a lot more about this than even as your mayor, I do. <laughs> but I know as a leader and as a politician that we need to create the right kind of regulatory atmosphere. We need to provide financial incentives and we need to make it very clear in the way we sell our city and our region that we want you, we want more of this here. That's why I'm excited to be the mayor of Sacramento in 2017. I welcome you and say thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> so before we get started, just a few notes. There are more chairs, and we put some here. And we put some in the side, so it's going to be a, a, over an hour. So if you do want to sit, there's also chairs up front, so don't be shy. Um, there's also a lot of tamales left. I apologize for the uh, Angela was running late in traffic, so feel free to get refills of anything in the uh, beer, wine, or tamale section. And again, thanks to the volunteers who are manning the tables. Um, the panel, I just wanted to say that for the format of the event, it's going to be uh, about 45 to 60 minutes of Q&A, me asking questions to the panelists. I'm going to kind of gauge your, if, who's nodding off or if you're still interested, but it'll be at least 45 minutes, maybe 60 if we get really revved up. And then you'll see there is a mic here in the middle of the, um, of the chairs. But five minutes before we take our first question, I'll just let you guys know we're, we're going to start taking questions. You line up and uh, ask uh, any or all the panelists a question. For introductions, I always think um, the, people, the people who best know themselves and how to introduce themselves are the panelists. So I'd like to start uh, on my left. And I, of course, would like you to tell us your name, organization, your role there, and then to know a little bit about you and innovation. Um, what, is, what do you find innovative here in Sacramento or California? in terms of a person, a place, a gadget, a company that has really inspired you or made you really motivated to innovate yourself. So let's start with you. Thanks, Vanessa. So my name is Vaibhav Nadgauda. Uh, I'm managing partner with Moneta Ventures. We are a venture capital firm here in this region. Um, and uh, prior to becoming a venture capitalist, uh, all three of our partners at Moneta, we were entrepreneurs here for 15 years uh, in the Sacramento region. So uh, we've seen our share of innovation, uh, Vanessa, and it comes in many forms. Um, in our latest uh, adventure in this venture capital world, what we are most excited about, the public-private partnership that the mayor alluded to that is happening here in, in Sacramento. I think it provides a tremendous impetus uh, for uh, a budding 
uh, company uh, and gives a very fundamental infrastructure uh, for us to grow from and innovate from. So that's what we're most excited about. Hi, my name is Crystal Strait. I'm a senior advisor for Mayor Steinberg. Um, I should learn never speak when, you're, when your boss goes first because you have nothing left to say. He steals all the good <laughs> stuff. Um, but I started in this city uh, last year and, and really uh, worked with the city to create uh, the Rails program and figure out what we should do with the, with the innovation fund. Um, I'll be honest, I, I don't find myself, I tell Ash all the time, I'm not creative, I'm not innovative, but I get a lot of inspiration and knowledge. Everything I know actually about this world comes from probably someone in this room, except for Jay Sales is in this room, but if you add Jay into the equation, basically everyone in this room is why we have the programs we have in Sacramento, and, and it, frankly, like everything, probably every thought I have is generated from something. So that's been kind of my inspiration, is really the people on the ground, the grassroots movement, I think that um, was already here when we started talking about what we could do with the fund, and I know we'll get into that a little more later. Alana. Hi, I'm Alana Jennings, and I'm co-founder of Operation Innovate. There's three of us. Uh, one's in the back hiding back there, so you can wave your hand, Alan. <laughs> um, we do all things STEAM for kids, for youth, um, ages 12 to 24, um, from hackathons to um, weekend workshops, working on a pop-up mobile lab right now. So um, we've been doing this since about 2015. Um, idea was born out of Packer Lab, and Gina Lujan is also our um, CEO and uh, business partner. So there's three of us on our team. Yes, what inspired you? Well, I, me personally, I'm as a my nine to five. I work in the tech industry, and I come from an education background. So I've moved into education technology. And at what time? I, one time I was teaching for an adult school, and realized all the adults that were coming in, who were 24 and over had no idea how to use basic, just basic software. I mean, like Word, Excel. I even had a gentleman who wanted to send an email and he typed the email in the URL browser. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, we can't have any more kids, you know, <laughs> coming into the world not knowing, um, you know, just how to use basic software. So my background started training folks on like, you know, different software, how to use Word, Excel, Adobe, Adobe programs. Um, and then Gene and I at one time sat down and had this great idea to start Code for Hood um, and Operation Innovate and um, really helping serve underserved youth. Um, I know it's offered in the schools, but really getting them to be able to touch and feel it and play with it, work with experts and helping them take maybe their ideas of being creative, designing, um, and allowing them to actually do that. And then also from that, um, tapping into um, some of the workforce problems we're having, filling STEM positions, um, which is another reason why I started. Um, I was talking to a person who was telling me how all of our jobs in technology and science are being shipped off because we just don't have the workforce to fill the positions. So not only getting kids engaged, but getting them excited so they want to pursue it as a career, either in the entrepreneurial world or in the workforce, because there's a ton of jobs out there that need to be filled. So. That's what inspires That's me, and I love working with kids. <laughs> cool. um, I'm Eric Ulrich. I'm a co-founder at Hacker Lab. Hacker Lab is an innovation space here in Midtown Sacramento. We also have a facility in Rockland and do work with corporations all around the US, AT&T, Intel, 
et cetera, on innovation programs. Our Midtown facility here, we host over 30 classes every month, all focused around technology, fabrication, and entrepreneurship business skills. Our, our focus and mission is really around education first and entrepreneurship. Uh, so in addition to the classes, we offer um, private office space and incubator accelerator program called Startup Hustle, which is like a design thinking boot camp to, um, designed to help people basically get their first customer, uh, get off the ground and, and learn about entrepreneurship from local fellow entrepreneurs. Um, so I guess what inspires me, I think, I think one of the things has to do with, well, when I, when I got into Hacker Lab and entrepreneurship, I was, I was deathly afraid of getting a real job. <laughs> and so I, I didn't want to get a real job at a, at a corporation, and so I wanted to find an alternative path. Um, and I'd met my business partner, Gina, who'd been a huge inspiration from the beginning. She's been an entrepreneur her entire life and has that resiliency to where she doesn't need to depend on a state job or a real job because she can create her own job for herself. And that's what entrepreneurship is all about, being able to create a job for yourself and then eventually provide for others. And that's what I see, and I see that in our programs and with our members is people who are out there taking risks, not afraid to fail, and ultimately take ownership uh, for their own economic well-being and be able to and be able to take that ownership and create a job for themselves and then eventually provide jobs for other people uh, so that lately has been a core inspiration of mine great hi uh, my name is brian collins i'm the chief advisor for the new io accelerator program io is a new multi-story building coming over to the 7th and J area, and we've got co-working spaces, an accelerator space, an incubator space, as well as an education foundational space. My day job is as the chief marketing officer for Angel Hack. We are the largest hackathon organizers in the world. We've built out tech communities in 87 cities and 44 countries all around the globe, and I'm really happy to say that we're going to next put our effort towards focusing on the tech community here in Sacramento. When I got offered the angel hack job, I actually, it came with one big caveat for me. I told my CEO, uh, Savine, um, I'm happy to do this. I'm really excited to work on this, but you can't make me move back to San Francisco. I won't do it. And she said, why? I said, well, I really want to stay here in Sacramento. I want to make this uh, where, where I'll be. I'm happy to travel, but I want Sacramento to be my home base. And she let me do, uh, let me do that, but my friends at the time said, why? Why do you want to be here? And I said, you need to come, this was about four or five years ago, and I said, you need to come here and feel what's happening. Because it, at the time, it was so early, but you could just feel something amazing. I said, I want to be a part of whatever this is going to be. And so uh, as far as what inspires me, it's two things. It's how this community thinks, and it's how we do business. And I'll bring that in two different ways. The people who I've met, like Eric, um, like others who maybe started as having the real job and switching over to an entrepreneur, they think so much in terms of, this is how I always had to do it back when I was working at the state, or how I had to do it as this corporation. 
but if I didn't have to do it that way, and they can jump straight to the point. It's like they've worked out every single way to work around a bureaucracy and think out of the box while working inside of that bureaucracy, that they're able to work even more effectively, and that takes them to the second thing of how we do business. What blows me away is how fast people do business here, especially amongst the entrepreneurial community. I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting in a meeting with Clay or uh, talking with somebody, and somebody says, you know what, hold on, we need to have so-and-so in this meeting. And it's a quick phone call, and five, 10, 15 minutes later, somebody walks three blocks down and says, hey, what were you talking about? And then a decision is made right there. And those are two such important things for building out an innovation community and a really strong tech community. And those are the two things that really inspire me here in Sacramento. Howdy. My name's Clay Nutting. I'm a restaurateur, entrepreneur, arts advocate. Uh, I co-founded a restaurant called Lowbrow. I co-founded a music festival called TVD Fest, uh, also a music festival called Sacramento Electronic Music Festival. Um, I'm on the board here at Clara. Let's see, I also founded an organization called DBA Arts. We're the fiscal sponsor for a project called uh, Art Hotel and uh, currently Art Street. Um, also um, supported the Capital Dance Project and, uh, and Behind the Bar, which is uh, uh, a great production that happens uh, in this past uh, August, so hopefully you got to catch that. Um, so let's see, what inspires me about the innovation community? I think, you know, I, I'll have to echo what everyone's, you know, saying across the board, which is that I think, you know, we have a lot of people who care about each other and about each other's success. Um, I wouldn't be where I am without mentors. Um, and uh, I take them whether they want it or not. <laughs> and, you know, I think that that's kind of the magical thing about our community in that um, whether or not they knew that they were mentoring me, they would give me their time. And that, you know, I guess is something that I try to pass on when, whenever I can. So whether it's uh, people sitting here um, on the panel or many of you in the audience, um, you know, I, I think uh, I try to excuse me, take a little bit uh, from everyone to build upon, you know, what I'm trying to do, and I hope that, uh, you know, others might take something from, from me as well. So I think that that kind of entrepreneurial community is really unique in that I think we all really truly want each other to be successful, and we're all kind of pulling for each other. And um, yeah, I think that that's a pretty special thing about Sacramento. And I do want to give you a special shout out, Clay, because DBA Arts was uh, my first nonprofit sponsor for getting a liquor license for my first event. So <laughs> thank you. Oh, I forgot something. I, I also uh, recently announced that I'm opening up my new restaurant. It's uh, called Cannon, and it's in East Sacramento. Look for it sometime this spring. So a couple things going on. Uh, also, I should mention, we are doing a podcast for this. We do podcasts for all the events. So um, the, the intent is to get the, uh, more, a bigger audience, but I will let you know when that is up, probably in a couple of days. And it's going to be on the CaliforniaGroundbreakers.org website and then also on the Facebook event. So just keep in mind that when you're at the mic. Uh, you're going to be recorded. So this event, again, like uh, the first one that California Groundbreakers did was a spinoff of a Comstock story on Innovation City came out, coming out last week. And we took a look at specifically the Mayor's Office of Innovation and Entrepreneurship. That's the, or MOFI, is that how you say it? M-O-F-I-E, a lot of acronyms, but MOFI. 
And uh, again, it was started by Kevin Johnson last year with the intent of um, giving seed funding to innovative startups. And in October, or November, if I remember correctly, the City Council approved $970,000 for 15 um, organizations, nonprofits, and businesses uh, to get their innovation up running at a higher level. And we have many, actually I should say, we have many of the uh, people from those organizations here. I'm going to introduce them at the end of the, uh, of the panel discussion. Uh, so thanks for, for coming here, guys, and I'll, I'll introduce you later. So my first question is for Crystal about um, what MOFI is, what it, you know, what, um, what the intent is um, since it got started, what you've been really focusing on, rails and other efforts, and plans for 2017, if you can uh, disclose any. Well, MOFI is definitely a, a, a name that was much debated within, uh, within the fifth floor. Um, so what the Innovation and Growth Fund is, is after uh, redevelopment came to an end, what the city kind of put together through surplus sales of property as well as other property tax assessments and our independent budget director in the back, John Silva, can actually give you the details of how that all works. But it came up with about a $10 million pot of money that will probably see another 1.5-ish annually um, moving forward. And the, in 2015, the mayor and the council put that money aside. They weren't sure what to do with it. They knew they wanted to do something. They knew they didn't want to see it dribble away into little projects here and there. But really, we needed to think about what, what could we do, because it's a big enough amount of money to do something, but not so big that you know, we can tackle on the world. And so they really revolved, and I think everyone came around and um, resonated with this idea of diversifying the economy, that in our recession, um, given our 25% uh, kind of, some would say, over-reliance on uh, state jobs and government jobs, that we needed to really look at this whole workforce issue and how do we diversify the economy. And again, thanks to a lot of questions and comments and feedback from folks in the room, we started understanding this concept of technology and innovation, and the mayor kind of said he wanted to see Sacramento be a hub of innovation, technolo technology, and entrepreneurship. And we really, reali again, realizing that how do we take that $10 million and maximize it? How do we leverage it with other um, programs, we, we realized it wouldn't be best just to stand, you know, stand on a street corner and hand out money, but really look at how do we build and how do we, as the city of Sacramento, be a part of building the complete ecosystem? How can we do investments that help um, actually train individuals in, in the innovation and um, business community? How then can we help those individuals kind of start developing their ideas? And then how can we help those ideas really formulate into actual startups and companies. And given that kind of thought process of how we can leverage our small amount of funds into each of those three areas, that's how the Rails program um, came to be. And so as we pointed out, about a million dollars was um, distributed this year, and then we expect to go on um, this year as well and, and start another round probably late in the spring, maybe. <laughs> Sometime this year. Sometime this year. And are there other um, programs besides Rails, other arms or branches specifically? Well, the overarching other point was um, the innovation. And so we also, the Rails is the big one I think most people in, in the city are, are excited about. We also knew, though, just as much as the mayor talked about 
growing from um, growing our grassroots and really helping the startup community from Sacramento, we did put half a million dollars aside so we can recruit companies because especially as we're starting down this venture, we know there's a lot of interest in in Sacramento and often um, there are some incentives that can can other companies and a lot of you um, have met Sherry Atwood at Support Pay. Um, they were a recipient of one of our first innovation incentives and grantees and we have I think another one next week or the week after that we're announcing so we're very excited about that. Um, so that's the big program and then obviously Mophie itself. The fact and I think all of you know um, Ash Rigani, our uh, do, does everyone know Ash's title? So now that Meyer Steinberg Stand took up, over, Ash. <laughs> so That's Ash up. was asked whatever title he wanted, because I think it was like Mayor's Office of Innovation and Entrepreneurship, Program Manager. I don't know. Again, it was just a it was a city title. So he was asked whatever title he wanted, and um, he is now our new bureaucracy hacker. <laughs> so yes. So we're excited, and, and since we're talking about Ash, I do have to show one quick story. So right after, um, I think right before the primary, right when we're, the city council was about to adopt the policies of rails and the whole kind of innovation space, what we were, how we were going to spend the $10 million moving forward, um, I called, I realized, okay, we need, a, we need someone to work full-time on this project. And so I knew Ash, he was one of the first people, Code for Sacramento was one of the first groups we had gone to and kind of asked for their ideas and opinions on. And so I asked Ash to come in, you know, I was gonna tempt him with the job and he kind of comes in and I can tell he's a little nervous and I hadn't even noticed, but he'd been quoted in the Sacramento Bee the weekend before saying the city wasn't doing enough and it should be doing more. And he really thought he was getting called to chewed out for uh, <laughs> speaking the truth, but again, you know, he instead said yes, and we're really lucky to have him. And everything that we've been able to do around, I can't stress enough, has really come from whether it's Hacker Lab or Code for Sacramento. A lot of our grassroots organizations really have the minds and the folks that are stepping up and, and, and really helping us develop what we're doing. So you're going to be very busy, especially you, Ash, right? Um, so the biggest Rails grant winner at a quarter of a million dollars went to IO Labs. And Around that time, Comstocks did a story specifically on IO Labs and what it's wanting to do, what it's wanting to achieve. There was an organization previously here in Sacramento called SARTA, Sacramento Area Regional Technology Alliance, that disbanded. And IO Labs, at least in the article, said we're going to pick up a lot of the those pieces. So Brian, what? Just a quick rundown of what IO Labs wants to do because it sounds like there's a lot that you're trying to tackle. Yeah. So. IO Labs is basically broken out into four different parts. Um, you've got the co-working space, which is one of the easiest ways to get engaged. But actually, before I even talk about that, I'm going to take a bigger step back. IO was founded on a really simple principle. Uh, the principle being that uh, in conversations between Brandon Weber, who's the, uh, the founder and CEO of IO, myself, a few others, as we began, uh, we're all global files, if you will. We tend to travel quite a bit. We go to a lot of co-working spaces. Uh, in my case, for my job, in Brandon's case, because he's fascinated by co-working spaces in general. And we, we started really taking a look at what is it that makes an innovation economy? What is it that makes it effective? And we realized that there's a bunch of different types of innovation economies out there, and then each one needs different things to succeed. Um, there's really three different tiers. So, well, there's one tier that doesn't exist, which is you have no tech talent at all, and then there's not much to be done about that, other than trying to recruit it in. 
at the bottom is a tier one, and tier one means that there's more capital than there is talent. And what that means is that the talent has to be a lot more courageous in going after the capital. There's usually a lot more convincing that, that needs to happen because the capital has the pick of the litter. They can choose anybody that they want because there's a lot more of it than there is talent. The second tier is when the talent and the tech are equal. Hong Kong is a great example of this as a city. Uh, it means everybody's about one person disconnected from somebody who can actually invest in their company. The flip side of that is it means that competition isn't very harsh. And so if you look at Hong Kong, amazing tech, amazing tech talent, but one interesting thing about it is they've never had a unicorn. In fact, they've never even gotten close. Their biggest valuations tend to be exits in the 50 to $70 million range. Now, I'm not saying 50 to $70 million wouldn't be great, but from a tech community standpoint, you want to be able to point to something and say, that's us, that's, that's why we're here, that's what we're there. The top tier is tier three, and there's only five cities like this in the world. It's where talent actually is uh, more than capital. It means that talent has to work even harder to actually get invested in. There's only five of these, Silicon Valley, New York, London, Tel Aviv, Singapore, that's it. If you're not one of those five, that's why they are the top five tech communities globally. There is more talent than there is capital. The talent has to work even harder. The competition is even more powerful. And because of all of that, it means that the top ones tend to rise to the top. You tend to have those unicorns that come out, those multi-billion dollar groups. Sacramento, where it stands now, is a tier one city. So it means that there is more capital than there is talent. That's actually a good thing. I would prefer to work with a tier one city than a tier two city, because there's a lot more that we can do. It means that talent has to be focused on going after capital. It means that the capital that exists needs to be able to see clearly that they're being de-risked, that the investment that they're looking at is being de-risked, that they're able to e easily bring that to the case of an investment firm, their LPs, or the case of uh, single high net worth, that they're easily able to say, this is where our money is going to go. It means the tech has to work a little harder, but it means that they can get a lot more out of it. So if that's where we stand, what does Sacramento need to be effective? And the one thing that we saw over and over for tier one cities, and there's a lot of these, by the way, Sydney, Australia, I just got back on Saturday, uh, a great example of this. Um, what it means is that there needs to be a central focal point. There needs to be a, a, a central space where everybody can point to and either say, yes, that's one of the main areas, or they can come in, whether it's for a day or an hour or a week or a month, and can get engaged and can get excited about the population around them, that there's all the different resources that they need to be successful. SARTA was an amazing start for this. It was the thing that for the last... 15 years, if not more, um, that everybody in the community could say, you went to a SART event, and they had these resources, and they had these amazing things. IO is in some ways just the next step of what SARTA began. It's bringing together the community, it's getting them engaged from an innovation standpoint, it's giving them the talents and the resources and the education to take their ideas to the next level, and if they make it all the way to the top, it's actually giving them investment to move through and become a real powerful startup in their space. So, how do we do that? There's four different ways. One, we have co-working. We're all familiar with co-working. Hacker Lab has some great co-working. This is just one of the ways in which we can start to bring the community together and say, we've got a desk, why don't you come in and see what it's all about? The next one is our foundation, the nonprofit foundation, uh, which is actually where the Rails grant is going towards, the $250,000 already mentioned. And that's specifically to, to focus on building up people's skill sets. So maybe you're a tech person and you've never run a business before. We're gonna be running classes that can help teach you how to run a business, the legal side, the business side, the numbers side that maybe you've never thought of, or let's flip that. 
Maybe you are a non-tech person who wants to run a tech startup, but you don't have tech skills. We're gonna be running classes, teaching you on a lot of the different things on whether it's how to program or how to think like a programmer or how to hire a programmer or how to hire a CTO as a co-founder. There's a bunch of different things. The key there is leveling yourself up as a founder to turn yourself into something great. So that's the two sides. We have the co-working and then we have the foundation. The next side is the incubation program. Now, the term incubator and accelerator gets thrown around a lot. There's one key difference between the two, funding. An incubator is when somebody says, you have a great idea. We want to give you resources. We want to give you network. We want to give you an amazing group of people who can help take your idea from zero to one, as Peter Thiel says, from idea into reality. But that's just one part of it. The final kind of peak of the triangle is the accelerator program. And the accelerator program is where we say, not only do you have a good idea, we're actually gonna invest in you. We're gonna actually be able to put out money and we want to invest into your startup to be able to take your idea all the way to the end. So there's an actual monetary investment. So we're really excited about the accelerator program. Um, there's some de details I can get into on it. There's some that I have to be a little bit uh, less open on just for now as we're finalizing things. But we're really excited because we based it off of not just what makes it competitive in this market, but what makes it competitive globally. So we can actually point to and say this is a, from the moment it opens up, we'll be able to say it's a globally competitive program and we'll be working with partners from Angel Hack, from others that'll be sourcing people from around the globe. So that is a little bit more about IO. Thanks, Emory. Okay. Another big name that got a Rails grant is Hacker Lab and you're very well known uh, in the tech community and you're, you're growing like gangbusters. And I wanted to ask specifically, you know, future plans for 2017, and then your your vision for Fab City, because again, a Comstock story in this month's issue, I believe, the January issue. Eric wrote a, I guess, a column, an opinion piece about Fab City and what that means, and that entailed traveling to Shanghai, Shenzhen. Shenzhen. So I wanted to see, you know, just a quick overview of what you found and and what you see. What is the Fab City and what you see Sacramento? falling into as a fab city, and how Hacker Lab, of course, plays a role in that. Um, so I guess the first question about 2017 and Hacker Lab. Um, Hacker Lab, I, as I mentioned, it's kind of two parts, the education and the entrepreneurship. Totally agree, like, um, education is the foundation for us, and entrepreneurship kind of stems off of that. And so tech classes, business classes, entrepreneurship classes is something we've been developing and we're continuing to refine that. Um, and then the fabrication classes and building off of that. As far as the Fab City goes, the, the Fab City program, this is kind of a, a bigger thing, so I'll be, I'll be brief on this. The Fab City program started in 2008 out of MIT. MIT has a global Fab Lab network. And MIT in Barcelona um, Boston and Barcelona and MIT teamed up to make a pledge, a 50-year pledge that said, in 50 years from now, we'll be able to produce 50% of what we consume as a city within city limits. So it's a real paradigm shift from our global logistics program or systems that we have right now, where everything's made in China, and then it's transported across the world, consumed, and then put in landfills that end up in the middle of the ocean. And you kind of have this like huge spiral system that goes all around uh, the world to a system 
that it, it, like it, you can call that um, product in trash out is in, in the, the 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 terminology used in the Fab City white paper product in trash out pedo to um, data in data out and so what maker spaces are allowing for and what the next wave of fabrication technology is allowing for digital fabrication uh, tools and equipment like 3D printers and like CNC machining tools uh, and other digital fabrication tools are allowing for designs to be transported through data into the cities and then produced locally using the local fabrication tools um, and then consumed and then kind of data out. So that's, that's, the, that's the new spiral economy that is the vision between the fab but for the fab city. I think the main goal that you can think of is it's a 50-year pledge for cities to become more sustainable and to produce locally what they consume. And, and so, yeah, hopefully. And, and, man, and I guess manufacture yeah. as well and make. So, so be manufactured locally. So with tools like 3D printers and CNC tools, um, actually, there's a paper coming out very shortly on IKEA. So you can picture the IKEA model as a great, like kind of, that was a light bulb, a light bulb model for it. You see IKEA stores all around the United States. They're producing all of those products somewhere, not on this continent, and then shipping them over here. But all of those products are uniform, right? Uniform design, they're using the same cookie cutter materials. Why can't we just produce those locally at our own factories locally and use the, C the it's all CNC technology that's actually doing the fabrication of it. So IKEA's gonna, they're one of the leaders in prototyping this um, data in, data out system. They're not alone, there's quite a few others you can look at it. Um, there's a number of companies in, that are popular in the makerspace community they are like, you can um, send your 3D printer designs. And so Alan over here teaches 3D printing at Hacker Lab. Um, he posts his designs on this website called Instructables, and then people from all over the world can download those designs and manufacture those products on their local 3D printers, and it's all going to work the same. Um, so and it, that's kind of the, the big picture components that are allowing for this Fab City uh, model to, you know, this is kind of the foundation of the Fab City model. So I know uh, there was a previous panel that we did on ag tech, and uh, one of the panelists, this was focused on Davis and Yolo County, and she said on a scale of one to 10, right now we're at a one in terms of what we're doing, but potential, we're, we have the 11. So in terms of being a Fab City, where is Sacramento now? And I agree. We're probably a, a okay. one. A one. <laughs> and, and the reason why I say that is because, as the Fab City, the the one of the first investments that you have to make is uh, is the assessment, and and really understanding and doing the analysis. And I I don't know if I can answer that question. The, the closest, and I think there is some interesting data um, on this that um, Valley Vision has done as far as the local manufacturing advanced manufacturing cluster. They've, they've put out some very useful stuff. But as far as what are we consuming locally that's produced locally, um, there just really isn't a lot of, of studies and research into that. And I think that that'd be something for you know UC Davis or University of Pacific, if we can kind of nudge some of their 
um, researchers to, to dig into that, that would be very, we need to have a baseline understanding um, of that. Um, you know, even take Farm to Fork, because Farm to Fork is definitely part of a fab city, um, a local food production. What's the, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe this probably does exist, but I haven't seen the data of, of, you know, how much of the food that we're consuming locally is produced is produced locally or is produced within 100 miles of um, Sacramento. Does that exist? I don't know. But, you know, think of everything from, from that to chairs to toilet paper, you know, furniture design to uh, consumable products, soap, perfume, food, <laughs> what, you know, everything that we have here, we can make here. And the, the trend over the last, you know, 50, 50 years has been you know, make it somewhere else where it's cheap and then ship it back over here. But uh, I think that that's changing and that's what the Fab City is a part of and that's what, and by and large, the makerspace movement is is all about is, is kind of bringing that back, bringing that, you know, I can make things here uh, mentality back. Okay, so that, that segues perfectly into my question for the money guy here, Vibob. As a venture capitalist, you know, you, you're looking at the future and you're looking at innovation in Sacramento because you are based in Folsom. So I guess on that scale of 1 to 10 or 1 to 11, where, where is Sacramento? Where are you placing your financial bets here? Or if not, you know, you're not putting as much money as you'd like to, what is stopping you from doing so? Yeah, so, I mean, if you look at us, we have roughly a little more than 10 companies locally that we have invested in, and significant investments, right? Um, and to get to those 10 companies, we probably looked at um, 250 plus companies to get there. So on one hand, that's a phenomenal statistics, right? When we started this, they said, you're starting a venture capital firm in Sacramento um, to his point, where's the talent, where's the demand, and uh, we were very pleasantly surprised by it. Um, directly to your question, I think uh, we are probably a little better off in, in this field compared to the Fab City or the AgTech thing. I would say we are at probably a three or four um, kind of a thing over there. I think the potential is tremendous. I think we have an ecosystem here um, that can really uh, launch this in a big way. Um, and so when we look at investing, uh, we are looking at multiple factors, obviously. Um, the key among them is the ability for the company to be successful. Um, and to that end, what um, I would look at is, and where people in this room can contribute is, you know, the companies need everything. They need education, they need infrastructure, they need a support group, they need capital, but more than anything else, they need success stories, right? And uh, one of the things that we really need to figure out is once you have the company here, and I think we've all contributed to bringing the companies here, how do we take them to the next level? How can we help them be successful? Uh, and that's one area I think everybody can contribute. If you know somebody who can use their services or you, know, you can find a customer for them, that's the hardest part. Um, so I think there's a lot to be done as a community there in terms of helping the companies that are here. And maybe that will be a, a starting point for the FAB here and see what we can uh, use here locally. So. And, and the tech community is often very interconnected because we should say that your firm, Moneta Ventures, is partnering up with IO Labs for the acceleration program. You're going to be giving funding to the, for, to the I don't want to say contestants, but the, the groups that are in the 
uh, the companies in the acceleration lab. That's right. That's how it's going to work. Absolutely. We're collaborating with them very closely. We've uh, committed to funding their cohorts. Uh, which is, you know, the, the set of companies that they will get in there. Um, and again, it's, you know, it's an ecosystem, right? It's, it's a, there's a reason why it's an ecosystem. You know, only one thing doesn't do it. Talent's necessary, but not sufficient. Capital's necessary, but not sufficient. So, you know, there are multiple layers to this, and that's why um, it is hard to put this together. And that's why the collaboration and contribution from everybody is very, very important. And... Uh, another aspect of Rails, which I thought was very interesting, was a lot of funding went to organizations that are focused on training youth, and training youth in uh, STEM and STEAM. So for those of you who don't know the acronyms, STEM is science, technology, um, engineering, and math, and then now there's the level up STEAM, science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. And one of the groups that got our Rails funding grant was Operation Innovate, Alana's uh, organization, and focusing on STEAM career. And I know there's been a lot of talk about Sacramento, there's a lot of diversity, and then there's a lot of inequity, and particularly in technology, how do we get the diversity spread around? So in terms of Operation Innovate, and just in general, what, what do you want to accomplish with Operation Innovate? And then in terms of, you know, getting more youth and neighborhoods, you know, into, into technology and, and keep them going, what's the, uh, what's the plan going forward and what you envision for Sacramento? I don't think we have enough time for all of that. <laughs> I guess a quick summary, <laughs> a quick summary. I would say um, one of the two important key things we're working on is getting away from the... Um, feed the homeless at Christmas time kind of theory, where we come in and just do this amazing activity and then we take off and leave. So what we'd like to do is kind of create some continuity with, with our programs. If we throw a hackathon, our goal is to have a, a very uh, self-sustaining after-school programs in which youth in different neighborhoods can attend at very, very low cost or for free, um, and to kind of keep that momentum going with, within the school system or even after-school time. And the second thing with that is called, what, what we got funded for is digital badging. And digital badging is new and it's being talked about very little, but what it is is we are moving into a new era of how to validate a person's experience and their education. Um, we're not just gonna be moving into just you know, looking at a resume. What we're looking at doing is creating these opportunities and experiences for youth that they can then kind of memorialize into a digital badge and an online portfolio. Um, and that's what we actually got funded for. So one of the three programs we're really looking at building and kind of keeping going and sustaining is app development, game developer, and um, website development. And so we're going to be really, really pushing that program, especially for youth who are not just underserved, but even there's a big community of youth who are coming out of the foster care system who are literally just being timed out and kind of dropped on the street. Um, and not only being dropped on the street, but, but you know, with no idea what they're gonna do next. And so a lot of these jobs that we're talking about and entrepreneurship opportunities don't require four-year degrees anymore. They require a six-month certificate and you know, a couple of weeks of internship, and they can be off and rolling into a pretty well-paying career in the tech community. So we're really trying to tap into that and work with our youth so then we're creating a, um, a pool of qualified workforce. Um, and do digital badging, um, and, and they can take every little experience they have and start kind of validating that um, 
on, on, a, on an online profile or things of that nature. So that's our real, real big goal is really pushing that digital badge and um, working with Hacker Lab probably a lot <laughs> um, and, this, and, the, and the junior colleges and things like that and really helping kids have other ways to win. That you don't have to just go to a four-year degree college to win anymore. You don't. Because, like I say, you know, Gina's Gina's both both uh, business partners of ours. Um, I've been entrepreneur all my life, and so has she. And so, you know, we've been able to sustain as single parents to make our own money and keep it going. So we really want to encourage that spirit in our youth. And we've got a ton of youth in Sacramento that are just the new t will be the talent that you guys are all looking for. <laughs> that we can then build and, and create that talent pool that we all need to make Sacramento an innovative city. <laughs> so speaking of STEAM, uh, the article in Comstocks, I think rolled out a day before the mayor and city council had announced new funding for the STEAM, particularly the arts and food innovation. And I think also there was a separate story I read about um, funding for the rail yards and getting that ramped up as an innovation hub. So one person that just came to mind is, you know, food, tech, rail yards, innovation, clay netting, because I think you're involved in all three, or were. And so I wanted to see, because of, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur and getting Art Hotel and now Art Street up, and then working with the city to, you know, really emphasize how they can all tie together tech, arts, and food. What do you see going forward uh, this year and and in the future about how those um, how those things can tie together? What what's your crystal ball vision for that? Let's see, loaded question. Um, well, I think you know, as an arts advocate, I. I have seen and experienced uh, what arts means to our community and to others around the world. You know, it's, you know, exhaustively studied and there's probably thousands of studies that have, you know, gone on to prove that, um, you know, why do people want to live where they live? What makes people fall in love with their city? And time and time again, it's, it's arts and culture, right? And so, you know, um, independent artists, uh, you know, are, are creating every day in, in our city, and um, it's not as if they can um, put a business plan together and go to a venture capitalist and say, hey, can I have some money for this um, art that I'm creating because you're going to get, you know, a 200x return. Um, however, you know, the return is, you know, seen in our uh, economy time and time again by, you know, whether or not someone chooses to, to live in our city or a business chooses to come to our city. And so the investors in the arts community are, are really all of us, you know, as patrons, um, going to shows and, and buying art. And, you know, in the Fab City concept, you know, something that comes to mind is, is also being, um, you know, proud to purchase things that are made here in Sacramento, you know, um, whether that's, you know, an, an artisan uh, table or a planter or, uh, you know, a painting, um, you know, so, and how is it all interconnected? You know, I think that um, in a lot of ways our, our entrepreneurs are creative and, you know, obviously our artists are as well. I think that our culinary scene is very creative and so, you know, when we talk about the creative economy, especially as it relates to Sacramento, I do think it's, um, you know, um, our heritage is, is agriculture, and so it's natural that 
you know, we have this emphasis on food in, in our culinary scene. Um, I also think our heritage is technology, too. A lot of people don't realize, you know, at, at one point, uh, Sacramento was, was viewed as the Cape Canaveral of the West Coast because of our uh, steam train technology at, at the rail yards. Um, and, and, you know, so I think, it, speaking of ecosystem, someone mentioned that, and I, and I love that word because I think our creative economy is, is a diverse ecosystem as well that includes you know, our independent artists, our performing arts scene, our culinary um, artists, our technologists and entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, I, I do see them all as, as interconnected. Um, where is it going? I mean, you know, um, as a community, I think we really decide what we want to manifest as our um, you know, our priorities, our, our cultural priorities. And, and I think that um, if we continue to um, think of ourselves and and you know and 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 think of what's important in our community as the the creative energy and and efforts, um, which all of it all of that is important to everything that we're talking about today, um, we can I think we can really you know have a uh, you know that as a differentiator about Sacramento. I mean, when you think about you know, where you want to live in, in Sacramento certainly, you know, is, you know, trying to compete with other cities ac across the country. Having a vibrant arts, culture, entrepreneurial um, ecosystem, I think, can really be a leading edge. And, and that takes, um, you know, effort, manifestation, and, um, you know, a, and, and support. And I think that Fab City thing, you know, is really interesting as it relates to our creative community too, you know, buying made in Sacramento goods, like going to old old gold. I don't know how many people have gone to an art opening there on first uh, Friday. Old gold is a, a shop in the wall um, that uh, generates, you know, maybe $20,000 a month in, in, in Sacramento made goods, um, which goes right back into the local economy because it's, you know, from a local artisan. They're spending money at local restaurants and, you know, on, uh, so I, I forget what this, the study is, but it's like something like a local dollar is seven times more effective than, you know, a dollar outside of the economy. So anyways, I, I think they're all interconnected. I think that it's super important for us to, you know, um, invest in that and do our part to continue to support, you know, the people who are doing creative things in our community. So obviously we, we got a lot of good panelists and a lot of points of view and I'm, it's, it's hard to narrow it down. So now I wanna have questions open to all of you panelists. And, and the first one is about the city's role in innovation going forward. So Crystal, you know, you're included in this. Besides the funding for rails grants and, and um, the vision the mayor has, what, what do you think the city can do or sh would like to see more of and you know, what would you like to see more of uh, from your point of view, Crystal. So well, yeah, why don't we start with you, with the city's role in innovation going forward? I think our, our biggest role is con is to continue to be a cheerleader. You know, I, again, I hope you're impressed about what the mayor said earlier. None of that was in his talking points. So he talked about like making sure there's low bar low barriers to entry, making sure regulations were great. And when he talks about regulations, I want to be clear, he's not just talking about the tech business space, but he really is ho very honed in right now in terms of the creative economy and the art space. And 
where and how do we put murals and is there street musicians and how does RT and everything integrate together? So I think our city's role is um, to work with our partners to convene these ideas, to help work together to basically experiment, to try, um, and to fail, and to fail a lot so that we can eventually figure out what, you know, what's the right formula, what's the right thing, but that's, it really is gonna only happen with the public-private partnerships that we've started. And I guess for panelists too, this is maybe an opportune time if you would like to suggest something to the mayor or Crystal, uh, or are they doing everything right, or you know, any suggestions? I actually want to give kudos, you know, I think that, you know, it's one thing as a stakeholder community to, to talk about, you know, um, the creative economy as an example or the innovation community and, and how do we, um, you know, foster that community and to actually put money where their mouth is. I mean, I think that that goes a long way to setting the tone for, you know, what's possible. Um, you know, we... Um, you know, as an entrepreneur community know uh, risk and failure, you know, pretty well, but the civic, you know, community doesn't always, you know, dip their toes into that area. And, and you know, I think for them to kind of line up with the entrepreneurs and say, you know what, um, there's a lot of, you know, to be determined about how this is all gonna pan out, and that's okay, because we do that every day, as whether it's an artist or an entrepreneur or a business owner, um, you know, an innovator, um, you know, our life is really built around kind of rapid prototyping our existence. And so for the civic community to kind of, you know, back us up on that and say, hey, this is who we want to be. And if, we're, if this is who we want to be, and this is who we want to attract, and this is who we want to uh, foster within our community, uh, we're going to step up um, alongside of you and put some resources there. So I, I'd say kudos. I think it's uh, it's been great. Bye, Bob. Yeah, I just want to add. Um, you know, that was one of my things. You asked me what inspired me, or you know, about this was. You know, I started working with the the mayor's team about I would say less than eight nine months ago, and um, the speed at which this program has been executed is is a, I've been encouraged by it. I really have been. It's uh, it's I I've never we. Just to put this in context, we, we've uh, been IT services business for 25 years in Sacramento, and we didn't do a single uh, deal with any of the public sector companies, right? It just was very hard. So for, for me to come from that background and be invited to this and say, oh, we're gonna do this, I'm sure this will take like nine months and we'll take a look at it. But the speed has been extremely encouraging. It's been a very pragmatic approach. Um, and uh, I think that really uh, makes me feel very good about where we can go with this. Um, there is actually an art, um, I guess the cover story recently in the Sacramento Business Journal about Sacramento's role as a government town, and uh, actually that could be an advantage for technology in terms of civic technology, government-focused technology. And I know uh, I talked to Joel Riphagen from Code for Sac, and Ash is involved, about how that can be a big uh, area of innovation for Sacramento because we are a government town. So I'm just curious if that is something in Sacramento as a government town, does that uh, inspire innovation? Does that help uh, innovation? Does it, you need to encourage some government agencies to go along? So I was curious about our role as a, as a civic tech hub or an innovative uh, government tech um, hub here in Sacramento. Uh, is that a 
priority or not? Anyone have any thoughts about that? So I'll start out. Chris I think it, it potentially is an emerging priority. I think we see it as an opportunity that we're trying to wrap our heads around. Obviously, having a mayor that was president pro tem of the state senate um, is a huge advantage. And, and we look, and every day we see the Capitol actually produce public policy that uh, changes the world, right? Now, it doesn't just change our city and our state, but the world. And yet, we're not seeing probably, we're not as a city reaping the benefits of that. So we're not reaping the benefits of um, if technologies actually go with that or pilot projects go with that, how do we actually capture that? And so one of the things recently that happened um, was around autonomous vehicles. And uh, thanks to VSP and some other corporate leaders and Congressman Matsui and Mayor Steinberg and our state senator, Dr. Pan, all kind of got together and said, no, wait, we want, if we're this capital city, why aren't we demonstrating some of these technologies? So I think we're seeing, you know, can we be that demonstration city? Doesn't it make sense the fact that the 120 decision makers um, of state law, all the regulators are here in our city um, and live here most of the time? And so shouldn't this be an opportune place to actually see that technology take place? And then um, while we're seeing the state start looking at even how they do technology and should they be more nimble, should they be using startups or even in some of the traditional Conduit, Accenture type of contracts. How can we position ourselves to leverage that to either get more dollars here in our city in terms of just people having jobs um, in the technology sector? So I think there's lots of opportunities there for us, and obviously I'm very biased. I, I think having uh, a mayor so tied into that side of uh, the world um, could be a good avenue for us to actually make that turn into something. Brian? Okay, so yeah, I think it's easy for uh, when we're inside Sacramento, looking at Sacramento, we all know government is a huge part of this. Somebody on the panel mentioned the 25% uh, of employees in Sacramento who work for state agencies. It's easy to say, that's gonna be an easy place for us to go. The truth is, is that globally, civic tech is so hot right now from a trending perspective. I mean, if I'm, if I'm a, um, uh, a startup founder, if I'm somebody looking for the next big disruption area, if I'm looking for the where I can go next, look, the app-based consumer market has been disrupted, it's been done. Logistics has been, for a lot of ways, not large mass scale, but independent logistics, been done. FinTech is already being done in a lot of different ways. Two years ago was just getting started. Civic tech is one of the next major areas that everyone is starting to focus on, no matter where you are. So in, in other words, I'd almost reframe it. It's not so much that Sacramento could be a civic tech place because we have government. It's Sacramento should be because we have so much powerful government and government connection here because this is where the market's going. I think we have an amazing opportunity to designate Sacramento as what it is, an opportunity for tech founders from around the globe to come here and work with governments in both on a state and, uh, and a local level of the sixth largest economy in the world. That's a powerful selling proposition. If I know that I can bring my startup here and start to work with some of the largest agencies globally, some of the largest interests globally, and have connections in that space, that's an incredibly powerful argument for me to be here. So in other words, I would just reframe it. It's not that just that we have government, therefore that's what we should do. It's there's a reason that everybody's looking at this, and that gives us an amazing opportunity. So uh, are we taking advantage of that right now? Or if we're not, what should we be doing to take advantage of our, 
are. Um, so I think there's, I got where you're going. So I think that we, we are, at least we, we have the starting point. I mean, I, so Crystal mentioned the, the, I call it the IGF. I don't know if I've ever got actually acronymed like that, but the Innovation and Growth Fund. And there's an important thing to know about the Innovation and Growth Fund is, um, you know, there's that $10 million number and we're like, woohoo, that's amazing. No, that's amazing. Not only do I not know of anybody nationally who's even gotten close to that number from an Innovation and Growth Funding perspective, I don't know of anybody globally who's gotten close to that number from a local perspective. Not a a federal government, not a nation, and not a state. I'm talking about a local government that's dedicated $10 million funds. That right there is a huge stepping point. Now the next step is we've got the local side. Awesome, great. The, the, the state side has really started to open up as well. The governor's office of innovation has been a huge help here. But now it's time for us to start going after the other big guys. We have to start talking to the agencies. But most importantly, we have to start talking about what are, and putting it in frames and in understanding that works for them. Where are their biggest issues? What are the largest problems that they're trying to solve? Being able to build out solutions-based focus things, whether it's a hackathon or whether it's a variety of different programs that let us say, we can help you fix that problem. Here's the entire solution. That's where an accelerator comes into play. That's where really powerful innovation programs can come into play when they're done right. But they start with focusing on the biggest stakeholders in the area, which in this case for the state side is the agencies. So I think we're off to a great start. I think this, the, the mayor's office, um, both the previous and the current mayor, have really gotten us to a great point. I think now it's time that we flip that and we start to look at the other major players in the space and say, how can we help you? Sacramento's open for business for tech. Crystal. Just one quick thing to add on is that because of the state agency role and how important that is, right now the city's looking at procuring some government affairs services so that there's actually a team of lobbyists who their job with the city is to help local companies open doors into meeting with state agencies and being able to pitch. So I think that's kind of our thing in terms of a city, city way we can help. And I just want to say if that's our, an aspect of our future, I mean, how important is it for us to have an emphasis as a community on STEAM ed and education? So, I mean, the work that, uh, that you guys are doing on that, um, you know, is, is so critical. Um, I think, you know, in a lot of ways, we're far behind where we need to be. I mean, if, if uh, innovation is, is the future of our community and, and, and global, globally as well, um, you know, we need to do a better job of holding, you know, uh, everyone who's responsible accountable for STEAM. And, you know, the A is, uh, you know, very important to me being in there as well. And then also, you know, ensuring that we're, um, you know, investing in the vibrancy of our community by, as, you know, individuals being uh, patrons of our arts community and ensuring that, you know, that continues to be a thriving part of our community as well. So education, arts, you know, I think that sets a foundation for where we want to be. And then the private sector's role in this, I wanted to ask about that because we do have a lot of uh, pretty big companies headquartered here, VSP, Sutter Health, Raley's, and others. So I'm wondering how the private sector is helping you panelists in terms of funding, partnerships, giving you work. Uh, what do you want them to do more of that they're not doing yet? Who wants to start? Crystal. Okay. So <laughs> I'm in government. I always go first. Um, I wanted to kind of give this 
uh, point earlier that um, some of you know about our economic council, the Greater Sacramento Economic Council, and that's made up of the CEOs, um, including all the companies you just mentioned. And I think one of the, the, the compliments to all the work that you've done in this room is that we have every CEO talking right now about this whole concept of innovation, technology, food, and art. I mean, at their last two board meetings, they've talked about this as something that is a major investment that everyone needs to be focused on. Um, they're spending a lot of their time, not just in the Bay Area, but here in Sacramento. And that, again, is kudos to, um, I think, all those companies and what they're doing. I can't, I don't know if, if VSP really could do more, and I think Sutter's in that space. I know we need to work probably individually on a lot of these CEOs to come up with actual, probably more capital and more resources, but I feel like if, if we're ranking on the, the one to 10 scale, um, there's defi definitely the assessment's been done, the interest is there, we just need to continue to put more, I think, product in front of them. I think Eric. Yeah, just kind of off the cuff, you know, VSP opened up an innovation lab in downtown Sacramento. And if you talk to them, one of the core foundational reasons of why they did that is to disrupt their own company and to basically make the rest of their company irrelevant through seeing, you know, through innovating the future business model. And I think as we get, we need to get more of our local large corporations to follow suit in that and, and become more innovative and, and make it an, an initiative for them to nurture and foster innovation amongst their employees. So, What Eric's Brian. talking about is called entrepreneurship, right? It's the concept of being able to disrupt a large organization from the inside. Um, and entrepreneurship is a huge portion of any kind of large-scale innovation community and innovation uh, organization or ecosystem, which is the term that we are really liking on the panel today. Um, so when we're, when we're building any of that out, entrepreneurship becomes really, really important. That's one ways for, uh, look, we've, we've been led by the government on this, we, in the sense that they put the IGF almost out there. I like to think of it as it's almost, a, in some ways, a, a nice challenge, right? It's saying, this is where our heads are at. This is what we're willing to do. And I think the corporates have started moving down that road as well. VSP is one great example of that, showcasing how they want to move their open innovation and include the entire community. Because the truth is, innovation doesn't happen in backdoor rooms anymore. It doesn't exist in backroom R&D departments. It happens because we get as many people focused onto a problem as we can. I think the biggest thing that the private sector needs to do, and this is inclusive of myself as well, being a member of it, is we have to start acting on it. We have to start actually, to use the startup phrase, ship it. We just need to start working on it and ship it and keep going until we've iterated and found the right possibility of what's been led in this case by the government side. I think uh, it's really cool that you know there's an example of the business community coming together uh, for an effort like you know GSAC and recruiting businesses outside of the community to Sacramento. I think that the business community can take you know a play out of the city's recent playbook and its investment in our homegrown talent in their the creative economy initiative as an example and to build in a capacity for investment uh, you know in things that are kind of untraditional and maybe outside of their their regular giving kind of uh, parameters and uh, in taking some risk with that investment in uh, in particular in the creative economy because I think that that's an area that not a lot of, thank you, thank you, uh, that, that not a lot of people think about investing in because often, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's not so apparent. It's kind of in the nooks and crannies. It's, it's, the, it's the soul of community, but it also needs to be nourished. And, and so building in some capacity for, for investing in those things I think would be important too. 
Yeah, Vanessa, I would like to add one other thing because um, maybe this is not as much of a visible aspect of what they are contributing, but as a venture capital, we are in the business of raising funds, we are in the business of deploying those funds, and we are also in the business of making sure that the companies where we've deployed the funds are getting the support and they're being successful. Um, and in each of these three areas, I mean, um, more than 75% of the funds that we've raised have come from local comp uh, individuals or companies who have been here, right? I mean, that's a significant contribution on their part to this economy. Um, and even today when we deal with them, I mean, just this morning, I was with one of the top CEOs here helping one of our portfolio companies bring their technology out um, into the field. I mean, they're offering um, their own uh, company as a test case for this technology. And this is a technology that is one of the cutting edge technologies. I mean, it'll go face to face with Google and Facebook. Um, so a lot of these things are happening at the ground level that probably doesn't get as much visibility because not all of it is successful. But there's a tremendous amount of momentum at that um, state that we see on a daily basis, uh, which is, again, makes me very optimistic. So it, it's here, it's just, it's, it's bubbling up. Absolutely, and there's, there's always, there always could be more, but you know, it's pretty good. So I'd, I'd like to ask people who have questions to start lining up at the mic. I've got uh, one question that I can ask while we uh, have uh, a lineup. And I just wanna say, um, if you can keep it succinct, usually we you know, start getting a line, and so just uh, be brief. If you have a two-tarter, you know, be, be succinct. So one, one question that I'm gonna, uh, asked now is about our neighbor to the southeast, well, Silicon Valley, the Bay Area. When I was interviewing people, the Rails grant winners for uh, this story for Comstocks on, you know, what, what can we take from Silicon Valley as a lesson? Uh, what could we follow? What could we not? It was, it was interesting. It was kind of 50-50 in terms of, well, we are our own place and we don't need to follow the Silicon Valley model. And then there were some that said, well, we could follow in terms of, you know, um, uh, um, in terms of innovation, just like, just ramp it up and um, speed is, there were a lot of things. So I'm just curious in terms of, you know, in using Silicon Valley as a model for innovation, what could we, what could we use from Silicon Valley? What do we, what could we innovate on our own? Um, that Silicon Valley doesn't really need to, has this have any place, so. I will take this. Okay, no Brian, you take help. that. All right, so uh, here, here's my thought process on this. Um, we mentioned GSAC earlier, so I'll, I'll use them. And uh, I should emphasize, it's Greater Sacramento Economic Area Council. That's, yeah. that's what GSAC stands for. A. They dropped the A, okay. Yeah. Um, so since we talked about them, you know, they've done a lot of work about uh, talking about this super region of which Sacramento and Silicon Valley are a part of. And there's one thing that I like, uh, well, there's a lot of things I like about that. One thing in particular that I really like is I don't think it's so much of a how do we how do we emulate Silicon Valley or how are we different from Silicon Valley, but w that's a question that I think you ask when you know you're in Lima, Peru, and you're trying to figure out, which by the way has an amazing tech scene. Um, but when you're trying to figure out how to differentiate yourself as Lima, in Sacramento we're so close. So my my mind it's how do we work with Silicon Valley, who is right there, so that we're both building ourselves and themselves. And there's a ton of ways um, that we can do that. Zipcar, Uber, Postmates, uh, Caviar, they've all come to Sacramento because we are an excellent test bed for a specific type of market. Um, we're one of the first 
places for all of those things because they get to bring some of their top executives here. They get to use us as a test case. We get access to the cool stuff that they're building out early on, and then we go from there. In my mind, that's where I think we can be truly effective is how do we work with Silicon Valley? And one just low-hanging fruit from the beginning is as an early-stage test bed for their technologies uh, as a great use case for other uh, cities of similar size, both across the U.S. and globally. Okay, so let's start with our first audience question. Well, um, I guess my question would be for Crystal, um, but you guys can jump in too. Uh, so you talked about recruiting businesses from outside of um, Sacramento. What can the government do to um, get them to build off of what Brian mentioned, the close proximity of um, the benefits of being close to each other and having like, um, ability to get mentorship and um, just be down the street from someone <clears throat> rather than having like sprawling campuses out um, in the suburbs. So I should say, we're talking about recruiting companies. It is the smaller startups. And so what's actually exciting about it is um, and kind of working with our local network of commercial brokers and, and uh, right now I'd say in, in downtown Sacramento, we have a, a bunch of hubs that are starting. The cannery would be one of them. The ice blocks is to be one of them. The depot, and we mentioned that as a, you know, for us that's exciting. Clay mentioned how, you know, we actually are founded on innovation and so I've kind of admit I've gotten fallen a little bit in love. You're not supposed to do that with projects, but with this idea of the depot kind of becoming this uh, modern form of innovation. And so, and IO Labs obviously, you know, where it, where it is next to the arena. So we are really trying to do that. Um, I have to put my boss's hat on for a second though, because he would nudge me right now if he was here. He wants to make sure though, as we're doing this, how do we then take this concept as we build out those hubs here downtown? How do we identify great places in neighborhoods to start then creating those job centers around innovation, around technology, around food and art in each of those. So that's that's kind of this year's new venture, right? And we're, we're looking at actually potentially putting even, again, this is uh, even more money into projects specifically looking at uh, neighborhood-based hubs and how can we actually kindle that, so. Again, the long, that was my long way of no sprawling campuses or <laughs> is our new uh, motto. And, and just uh, to ask specifically about the rail, rail yards, the depot, what is the in, intent for the funding there? Is it to lure more companies there, to build up and make it a high-speed place? What's the focus there at the specifically? Well, the depot is to us, it's the, it's the, uh, the gateway to the rail yards. And as we know, the rail yards is a, a much longer project, and there will be a lot of Class A space developed there, our Kaiser campus, some MLS, housing. Um, but that's years away. We see the depot as this uh, kind of unique ability to be a microcosm, a little preview of what um, what the rail yards will look like. And so the money's been set aside, though, to do um, TI so that we can actually uh, attract some tech tech and innovative companies there. Okay, next question. Hi, you guys are like the Avengers of the tech and uh, uh, entrepreneurial you know world right now. But um, I'm wondering with the, the rails program, is there going to be any money spent on actually infrastructure? Because talent can actually tend to flow here or there. But if you have infrastructure, talent seems to, to pile up around the infrastructure. So is there any ideas of creating any kind of technological infrastructure that we can use? And my second note is because uh, I just want to ask, are we going to actually start using program as a fundamental education in, in our education programs in Sacramento? 
like uh, actual like C programming or any other kind of programming language, which would help our children tremendously. Just, um, just as, you know, anyhow. I'll start with the last one on the education front. I mean, it, it's it's come up quite a bit with this council. I'm not trying to um, scoot it like, oh, that's a school board issue. But what I've been excited really about this meeting. Yeah, sorry, that kind of was no, like no, no, a, no. a out of no, the. No, you no. Know. But what's been exciting, and again, this is because of a, a lot of the energy and people constantly. Again, unlike some of the other communities in the in the in this space in the tech and creative world, everyone always coming back to that, right, and reminding us that it's great. You can build the next group, but if we don't have the workforce, right, and that's why in Rails that leadership part was so important that we put money aside every year that we're working on the training, partially so that as we work with educators, as we work with school systems, which we don't really regulate directly, we can start showing that. I mean, the mayor announced a million dollar grant he was able to get from um, the workforce uh, local agency to work on um, internships, and that's all part of it. It's all, I mean, seems kind of scattered, but that's really what I think Mayor Steinberg's trying to do is how can we wrestle all around. When you say infrastructure, do you you mean, because again, I only know what people tell me, you mean actual like the physical infrastructure? Yeah, yeah, because that would bring a lot of jobs, like something like a, a universal Wi-Fi, which Gosh, we proposed like five or 10 years ago, but we got like, you know, but like something that, that would actually create permanent jobs here and then also provide a lot of revenue for other people. And so something- I think that's a great an idea. infrastructure idea, and like all of you guys here, like if you guys all work together and created some kind of idea, I'm sure you guys can get the backing behind everything one, you need. One thing for the Hacker Labs Rails grant was all for uh, advanced fabrication infrastructure. Yeah. So we're getting you know more advanced CNC tools, laser cutting tools, and 3D printers at the Hacker Lab, and you know. So yeah. And it could be a beautification too, because you could actually use art projects as actually Wi-Fi hubs that actually like so someone puts in an art installation, <laughs> and then like. You know, and, and then you can actually turn that into a Wi-Fi hub that's universally usable by anybody, and that so everybody gets their fair share. But then you also need to hire technicians to maintain these things. And, I love uh, it. And, my, and I'm sorry, my idea. Sorry, out of there. You know. So. And I'm going to give you all the credit for it. We are we are working on some things. Uh, the bureaucracy hacker is uh, having having a little trouble hacking some bureaucracy. So your little axe is like really like. You're, I don't know whether it's a bat or an axe, but it's, it's going to come in I, handy. I have a million of them, and so maybe I'll come back some other time. But yeah, I love you guys. Take it easy. But I, I had a question, actually, for Alana, based on the education aspect of that question, in terms of uh, your group and then the other three that got uh, uh, Rails grants for educating youth. Are you working with uh, the school districts here? How receptive are they? What's the, is there any plans going forward with uh, teaming up with them? From your point of view, uh, how will that work? I want to say yes and no. We've worked with some school districts. Um, there are limitations. Uh, real basic stuff, like one of the things I would say, like, you know, we can't have access to the internet during a hackathon because of school district policy. So we try to stay away from running programming in school district areas only because there's too many limits for the kids. Um, but to piggyback off of what you said, and there's a question someone asked earlier about what could we do to you know, kind of keep this going in this civic tech environment is one of the things that's really important is the internships um, and not being afraid of hiring our youth again. Not to age myself, but I know when I was growing up, we had like vocational ROP programs that took us from, you know, ninth grade through 12th grade and we walked away with, me, I walked away with a child development little certificate and I can go work in a preschool anywhere, that kind of thing. So kind of going back to that same concept would be awesome because and we can put tech in front of it now versus 
the old school you know, traditional jobs that we did before, um, again, that talent pool is being created and that's where the school district kind of kind of become more participative in our, um, our work. Um, and, then, and, and then again, after those youth are trained, not being afraid to put them on, in front of folks and into our workforce because we do have a different millennial our kids are different, <laughs> and the challenges in the workforce are different. So they're not hiring us at 16 anymore. They're waiting until we're probably 21, a little more mature, but we need to go back to getting our kids you know, in the workforce early or in entrepreneurship op opportunities earlier than later, so. Oh. Next question. I moved to Sacramento about a year and a half ago from New York City to work for a Fortune 50 technology company in the greater Sacramento area. Um, when I moved here, it was establishments like Lowbrow that gave me that you know, feeling like it was back home, Farm to Fork that gave me a more localized experience. And there were really two things that I knew about Sacramento before I moved here or before I ever have been to California, and that was that Sacramento is a great bike town, and Sacramento is one of the most diverse cities in the US. So as I look at the panel or the people in this room, um, I see that. And with diversity and with that company that I moved here to join, I soon left. And I went to the Bay Area, and I joined a company that was more challenging. And my question to the panel is, that what incentives can Sacramento provide to keep that talent here rather than moving to the Bay Area? Clay asked what would have kept you here? Um, so I would say that the ability to work remotely has somewhat kept me here, but ultimately, you know, when we look at those companies or those establishments in the Bay Area, they don't have the incentive to, to really have a functioning space here? Well, I think, you know, I'm speaking probably a little out of turn because I don't know all of the efforts, but there's certainly an effort being made there. I also think concurrently there's an effort on helping entrepreneurs locally become the next fortune. We'll take 500 first and then we'll go up to 50. <laughs> um, you know, and so I, I think that... Um, you know, while I wish that we could snap our fingers and have 100 VSP shops, you know, here, because frankly, I'd rather have 100 of those versus like one or two campuses, because I think that that's more impactful and more, I think, uh, reflective of who we are as, as a community. But, um, you know, it takes, you know, conversation too. I mean, you know, it takes willpower, it takes effort, there are incentives. Um, you know, talking to your company and saying like, hey, have you ever thought about, you know, it's certainly uh, cheaper <laughs> to probably have a campus here than it is there. And, you know, I also think it takes, you know, having some vibrancy too, because a lot of people your age are making decisions on where to live based on what's happening around their town. So I, I guess all in all, it's complex, you know, but at the end of the day, it starts with you, it starts with us starts with what we want to be, whether or not we're putting our effort in manifesting that. And I think this is a good, this is indicative of, of that, you know, coming to fruition. Because everyone here is, instead of, you know, Netflix and chill is 
listening to us talk about this and 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 hoping for that to become our reality. So it, let's just keep pushing, keep pushing. I mean, this is this is a time to be bold and and crazy and like go for it. So I, I challenge everyone to 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 manifest their own destiny. If that's what you want to see in Sacramento, what can you do to help us? What can we do to help you? And let's let's all do it together. Yeah, thank you. And, and bold and challenging is, is definitely why I joined one of those companies in the Bay Area. And and having said that, um, it would be great to you know learn about more of those incentives so I, I could have those conversations and open them up. So thank you. Yeah. And I'll say that one of the intents of um, these types of events is to have the conversation keep ongoing after the mic is is off so I do try to get a list of resources on the website obviously the podcast ask the panelists you know yeah. for organizations or whatever so you can go find it or volunteer go, go hang out at places like Hacker Lab and, and IO eventually and Urban Hive and um, you know many many others and, and events like this and like by all means come chat with me or any one of us I'm sure you know we'd love to get people plugged in every single one of you in here um, yeah, so. Also, Startup Sack just launched a job board. So go check out their job board and get a job at a local company. <laughs> Which we'll, I'll, I'll have them stand up later at the, so they can, you can see who they are because there are people here that have name tags that you can definitely get more information from about what they're doing. So next question. Hi, my name is uh, Lily Williams and I, am, I was an electronics engineer at Intel Corporation uh, living here since 1984. I retired in... Um, I guess I, I would say I resigned in uh, 2005 because I really wanted to move into the, the private sector to help the specific people that Alana was referring to. Uh, individuals who basically had lived off of an economy where uh, they didn't get their college education, they got some kind of a job, and then during 2007, 8, they lost their jobs, and then they needed to go back and get vocational education. So after leaving Intel, I worked at, um, we actually started a, non, uh, a um, vocational school uh, to train people exactly the kinds of things you were talking about, you know, teaching them basic skills, Word, Excel, and all of that. But at the end of the day, my concern is that um, a vocational education, while it f backfills the gap for adults who were lacking it, um, it's not necessarily going to be a competitive replacement for a full two-year, four-year education so that they can be competitive in the job market. Uh, so my question to you is about your, the program that you're, you're talking about, um, the digital badge. Um, my concern would be if the digital badge is intended to potentially be a replacement for a two-year, four-year, oh, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm really glad to hear that uh, because that just would be so difficult because I, I, I could see them coming to our small vocational school later on needing to get that education because they lost that first job that may have gotten them in there. Uh, so that, that's really good to hear. Just piggyback on that. Um, again, I'll probably age myself. Um, I went to college, had a baby, dropped out, um, and was able to kind of sustain myself. Like I said, you know, being an entrepreneur and doing some, you know, entry level work. Went back later and got my degree in my 30s or 40s. <laughs> Difficult to do, I'll bet. <laughs> I'll tell you exactly. However, um, 
currently I have a daughter who's 22. Um, and she's struggling, and I'm using her as an example. Um, so no, it's not to replace it. It's to say, you know what, do this. If this interests you, here's how you can get your foot in the door. Here's how you can get an internship. Here's how you can get your entry-level skills. Maybe even getting a, a paying job that's gonna actually be able to pay the rent, pay the bills, and keep you on your feet. But it has to, gives them that little spark that they need. Because a lot of times after you get that spark, you know what you want to do, because there's so many avenues in STEM. There's, there's a variety of careers you can pick. Maybe you go in as like a, um, a data entry tech specialist for the state, just give you an example. Um, and now you know how to fix you know, normal problems that people are calling in on and you know, repair their desktop, all those kind of things. But now you know, I really want to become a programmer. What does that look like now? So then I, I may investigate you know, going into an actual college, getting a degree, or getting what I need to kind of fulfill that, that desire to be that. So it's just really a, an opportunity to give them something to start from that makes them feel a little successful. And I think most people, once they get in that, in that area of their life, then they're gonna pursue more to get more. So no, it doesn't replace it. It just gives them a, chance, a place to start. Yeah, because I'd just be worried about their oh, competitiveness no, 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 no. long term. We can't have a whole bunch of folks out here with just no education yeah. yet. <laughs> okay, and, and I'm sorry, I'm gonna ask a second question, and this one is for Eric. I just wrote it down. So um, specifically with regard to the fab, uh, I forgot what you call it, a fab city. Fab city. Um, yeah, I, I think we have to ask why the jobs left in the first place. Um, and if you ask corporate executives, they'll probably going to refer to the burden of regulations, uh, including environmental laws. Um, so it's not um, that we can't produce the stuff here. We can produce it. It's just a lot of times they make the decision to produce things elsewhere because the, the burdensome and the cost of regulation. So really the, the, the question is, um, you know, is it possible to reach the Fab City goal of 50% and remain competitive at the same time? And so that's the question for you. And then the question for city and state regulators is, you know, how do we recognize that the environmental laws and some of the other laws that are in place, they actually create a barrier to people producing things here? And, and I'll add on a, a third part to that, because it seems to come up with every panel. There's the state and their regulations, and you have to work within them. So because we're the capital city, is there talk, uh, private sector or the city, in terms of working with the agencies like, hey, can we you know, speed things along or cut through some red tape or work together? Are those conversations happening? Do they, does the state see that as, you know, we could, we could help you out there? So I'll, do, I'll say two things. One, Golden One Center. It is the perfect example of a public-private partnership with the state of California in which we built that center uh, in, in, in terms of construction overnight. And that was working with folks on environmental laws, and that was led by um, Mayor Steinberg. Uh, who wasn't didn't know he was running for mayor then. <laughs> the second thing is uh, that's why for us being a demonstration city is so important because if you are a pilot, if you are doing pilot projects, if you are you know if we're on the cutting edge of things, we we feel that it would um, obviously uh, go a long way in terms of it. The third thing I'll say though, um, and we can talk offline about this. I, I before I worked for the mayor, I've I've worked in government for 20 years, and I have heard this for 20 years of too much burden, regulations. I sit down with folks, I ask them, tell me what the exact regulation is so we can go fix it. And I usually can't get a real answer on like, that's the regulation. Yeah, we have high wages, yeah, but we have sun all the time. Yeah, we have this. So so we can talk offline, but I, I, I always love to talk to companies, like what is the actual regulation you're talking about that's stopping 
us from manufacturing here or creating here. And, and again, we have a great delegation that's willing to tackle all those issues. So, so I'm assuming, uh, Eric, you're going to, you guys are going to be talking about that. I mean, it's not me because I'm not doing it, but. It is you. And I think that goes to, to Clay's point because it's, you know, it's all of us. Um, it's a regional issue. It's a you know regional economic issue, and even like great, greater than that. And we're all we're all a part of it. We're just up here on the panel, preaching a little bit. But you know, <laughs> you you're all the doers in every day. Just we all are. So it is you also. Um, but yeah, I think you know your your question is: Is it possible to hit that fifty percent? Is a good question. Uh, nobody's doing it yet, or at least no major metropolitan city has done it yet. But I think that it's a, it's a, you know the goal and in, in setting um, the goal for ourselves is is a huge milestone and just the process of thinking about that is a huge milestone and there's no denying the the you know the economic engines that that created our current system and you know the economies of scale and producing things where it's really cheap and then shipping it over here there's no design that de denying that it, that exists, but at the same time, we can take a, a conscious step forward now um, from all angles, from the policy and regulatory angles to also just our consumer buying habits. Um, and then even as entrepreneurs or people who want to create jobs for ourselves, you know, how we spend our time, how we spend our spare time. If maybe we have a full-time job, maybe I can, instead of watching whatever I'm watching, start innovating some product that I could sell. Um, so, you know, I think, um, I think, it, I think, I think that it, it's coming, you know, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. It's, it's I, I, possible. I have yet to be able to find a greeting card that wasn't made in China. That's been my problem. Well, I, no, that's not true. They sell them at the Maker's Mart all yeah, the time. Yeah, very few you know. places. You're right. But try going to Target on Christmas, you know. Well. <laughs> I just, I just want to take a quick Hands up, who's in line for a question, just so I know. Uh, okay, okay, good. Because we're just, we have the hour and a half, so I just want to make sure everyone gets a question in, but there's also time for a little more mingling. So next up. All right, thanks a lot. Uh, really appreciate everyone, Comstock, California Groundbreakers, for organizing this. Uh, I'm Brett Hofstadt from Drone Pilots Federation. We're a global organization, but we're proud to be based here as an educational nonprofit right here in Sacramento. And uh, so I love the city here. Since I moved here last year, I see a lot of huge potential. Where did you move here from? Well, it was from Philadelphia by way of San Antonio. So made a text. That was my, my um, foreign country experience, you could say. So <laughs> back to, glad to be back here, the heart of innovation in the country. So uh, and by the way, uh, we see drones in all these areas we've talked about, uh, civ tech, ag tech, of course. If anybody happens to know any firemen or first responders, we're holding an event for them to help them use drones in a couple weeks, by the way. But uh, my question here with the Rails people, it looks like this is the inaugural class, you could say, if this is going to continue year after year. So I would love to know, is there a way that we can, as a community, follow everybody's efforts, maybe as a group, help build a community and support just around the Rails class, you could say, and uh, you know, a single point, maybe, where we can follow everybody easier. The events like these in person are fantastic, 
but is there another kind of community base or a medium where we have? And, and I want to tie I want to tie onto that because someone did ask I think on the Facebook post like how's the city going to hold you know how's the city going to tell us what they're doing the rails grant fundees with their money and hold them accountable and track the results so I guess now that you gave them the money like a, a feedback a feedback loop but to yeah help what's us the all, feedback right? and how are we going to find out how they're doing so so th so there will be the typical bureaucratic report back to council that everyone can go find on the website but I I want to give compliments to um, folks that really helped pick um, uh, the Rails recipients, Vibash, Ash, a whole, whole other group of people. And they looked actually at the recipients and we have groups like Startups Act and Dynasty Video who are recipients of Rails grants that their whole point is this convening, telling the story uh, space. So in some ways we've kind of built in that part of it. I do think, again, this is the infancy year. I, I love how you're saying it's the first class because um, we expect to see the second class out this year. And, um, and you're right. And I wouldn't just defer to Ash, but I kind of also, the rails came from the community as a, as a um, idea of a project. And so I think we're probably going to defer a lot back to the community in terms of how we continue to follow. Can I hand say on the drones, though, will you, can we talk afterwards? Because... I'm pretty obsessed sure. with this whole uh, drones concept, and we're actually talking a lot to our fire department about how to use drones and kind of displaying that in the city soon. Great. Very okay. Cool. I'll look for you. Great. Thanks. Next question. Uh, I first want to thank all of you guys for um, taking your time uh, on a Monday night to speak with us and share, share all of your knowledge, so thanks for doing that. Um, my name's Jason. I'm a former uh, entrepreneur. Uh, locally with a company formerly called Velocity Venture Capital. Um, I've since uh, joined the dark side and I'm now a state worker uh, in the governor's office, um, but primarily because I saw unique opportunity um, in the space of civic tech. Um, so my question in regards to civic tech is, um, first of all, how can government um, more effectively recruit um, individuals like yourselves when maybe pay is not as high um, and, and certain, certain areas, you know, cr create barriers. Uh, what kind of environment can, can government create to attract uh, innovators and entrepreneurs? And then second of all, um, as it pertains to state agencies and, and their procurements, are there certain um, technologies um, or specific opportunities that you see in those agencies to really move um, civic technology forward? Is that um, blockchain or, you know, digitizing, um, digitizing government? Um, and any sentiments on those two questions would be? Uh, pay's not always high for entrepreneurs or innovators <laughs> either, so pay barrier probably, isn't it? Um, I do, you know, that's an interesting, just something that kind of came to my head that was probably marinating up there, but, you know, I'm curious about why it has to be uh, a relationship of em employee within the state government versus, you know, contracting with entrepreneurs to partner. So more private public relationships where maybe we're not constrained or working within the, the paradigm that, that the government or the civic organizations have created. Let us work in the space that we feel most comfortable in is kind of free range 
folks <laughs> creatively and 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 I think that that could be you know a precedent that could be really interesting yeah no I I, I totally agree however I do think that there's a <coughs> cultural issue internally where we don't know what we don't know in the state and so I think the more uh, individuals from that sector that we can bring in invite it, us it, in it to disrupt of, it yeah exactly exactly and and but how do we I don't, not doesn't it doesn't necessarily need to be uh, an employer and maybe it's through programs or you know entrepreneur and residence type efforts but you know how do we re, uh, attract um, you know those individuals a couple like, two, two things yeah. you have the cities is it cities innovate program and the state is actually um, stepping up, I think, to join with Mayor Lee. I got on them this last week because why are they going to San Francisco and working with Mayor Lee and, and not here in Sacramento? So we're working on that. And then um, I just pitched two weeks ago to a uh, committee in the legislature that they we should do a whole like committee hearing on how do we attract uh, young, not just young, but I always say young entrepreneurs into uh, state government and their interest in that. So I'll definitely want to follow up with you and get your thoughts on it. One, you know, one other thing, I mean, this is probably more an input to the governor's office and things like that. When we are evaluating companies to invest in and we see somebody come with a, a civic tech kind of an opportunity, one of the key concerns we have is that the technology might be great, their use cases are brilliant, just the time to revenue. The sales cycles are so long and the gestation period and therefore the capital needed to get to that point in a you know civic tech scenario versus a private scenario is is twice thrice four times so um, to that extent you know that's a constraint and that's not just us seeing it so anything that that um, you know the government can do to help you know incentivize that sales cycle to be shorter um, and somebody said earlier here you know just open to some risk I think that that will make a big difference. Vibov took 90% of my points, so nicely done, sir. Um, the last thing I just want to say, though, is you, I mean, you said, you know, specific technologies. What specific technologies? I've seen blockchain do amazing things and all this, but I'm going to, again, I'm going to flip that. Um, one of the amazing parts about doing innovation at scale is that I can't tell you what the technology is going to be that's going to disrupt it. What I need to have start is the conversation of if you can tell me what problems you have, I can get tomorrow 10,000 people working on it, if I can get them the right incentives. But I need to have that open conversation to understand what are the biggest areas of problems that we can focus on. If we know that, it could be blockchain, it could be digitization, it could be anything, but it has to start with that conversation of opening up a little bit so that we can under really understand where are the major problems, admitting that, and then allowing for uh, uh, tons of innovation on that side. So I don't think it's so much the technology that's going to disrupt. It's the idea that's going to be disrupted, which is backed up by the technology. All right, so we have three questions left. Okay, just checking because I want to make, I want to be mindful of everyone's time and how much time we have left to declare us. So, all right, next up. Half friends up here, so that's super cool. Um, my name is Tracy Seville, and I'm an entrepreneur in resident and a, I guess you'd call me a project builder liaison for Fourth Wave, which is uh, a Rails-funded grant, uh, but it was called Elevate when when we applied. Um, I have two questions and. We're excited to be launching um, Fourth Wave. Uh, I like to call it a catalyst project. This will be our experimental year with a singular, singular focus, which is 
to both prove that we can attract new capital for female technology entrepreneurs in the region, but that we can have very successful capital events for at least three to five by the end of this ne next fiscal year by 2017. And we've, we're excited about all the traction that we're happening. I'm not gonna say anything more about it because we're gonna make all those announcements and put an open call for all of that in a, in a couple of weeks. My questions are twofold because so I, I'm a CFO of a lumber company in, here in Sacramento. Um, that company is a three to four million dollar a year revenue driving. It's a little company that, um, it's, it's not really complicated. Um, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, um, but only a, a tech entrepreneur really in the last three years. And I decided, I had a brainchild for artificial. Tracy, I just, I want to it, 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 it is a, it is a question, but, this, okay. but this, is, this is very relevant to the conversation about capital, about resources, and about what we're going to be doing collectively about the problem. I heard the statement that there's sufficient capital, and um, of all the women that I know, and the 15 plus we've already identified, um, have told us that in fact their experiences is there's not enough capital. There's not enough early stage money, and the ecosystems that we've historically had in place um, haven't been cultivating women and people of color to be really comfortable in those ecosystems. And I'm seeing that changing in the programs that are being developed. There's a new fund, a, a State Street just issued, and I'm curious to know if you know about this. Um, it's called the She Fund, and it's a $3 billion new index fund that's pinging, uh, frankly, balanced founding C-suite positions and board. Are we as a, as a city officially, and then as a community in this ecosystem, thinking about the value of also making Sacramento the, the, the city in the world that churns out the most profitable companies because they're completely diverse and they're completely gender balanced. And we know from studies that that's a 12 to 38% higher ROI return on investment. So my question is, what are we doing about that? Are we looking, about it, looking at that and how are we thinking about it? Come to, to city council tomorrow night, our I, um, entire uh, uh, council meeting, the theme that the mayor is setting out is diversity and equity. Um, we'll be talking about women's pay equity, talking about that, how we're doing that. with working with diversity managers. And so from a city perspective, it's a top priority for us and that we'll be um, instituting in terms of coming up also with a citywide plan. So I'd encourage, and I know I given will. we're talking, that you'll be part of that actual making a plan for the city and in, in including in the private sector to actually tackle all those issues you just brought so, up. But my question is still about the capital and have we identified that from a top priority that if we can prove that the startups and the, and the companies that we're cultivating have higher performance because, they're, because they are diversified and they are sort of meeting those index quotients. Is that so something Vila, that, that can make us different? That? Is that so, something that's an edge? So I'll that's give, my question. I'll give you a, a data point. I don't know the answer to your question, but um, I, and again, I don't know the big picture, but just looking at our portfolio companies, um, I think we have a disproportionate number of um, CEOs of company who um, are, you know, uh, female, hmm. right? And uh, I'll tell I think you- it goes both ways, yeah. Yeah, and I'll tell you in, in maybe three years, uh, how the results look. We don't know, but we do believe in it. Um, uh, and it's not, it's not a, I, would, I would tell you, it's not necessarily a conscious effort to get there, it's just how it's, it's evolved, uh, which tells you that there's a lot of uh, talent there um, that's available and, and that uh, I think, uh, so we can kind of reconnect in a few years and I can tell you how it panned out. Uh, but we're we're gonna be best. doing a data project, so we'll share that with you too. Thanks. Thank you. Next question. 
Hello everyone, I'm Pamela Gustava. I'm the founder of New City Drivers and we are a ride-sharing app for uh, ride-share drivers locally, Uber and Lyft drivers. Um, and I went through Eric's um, accelerator and it was really amazing. Um, the reason why I'm here is because I wanted to find out where are the black people? Hello, hello, it's like one, two, three. It's like a joke. I'm not talking, I'm talking about you. I know all of the Rails recipients. I've read all of the profiles and everything. It's just that it's like a joke. It's like if we're go we just marched 20,000 of us to dump Trump. And, and I'm not saying this particular meeting because we need some time, but we have got to take a stand for diversity. Like you were saying tomorrow night, I will be at that meeting. And I would like to know how many people in this room want to stand with me for diversity. I mean, especially, thank you. <laughs> especially like black women in technology, it's like really, really, um, it's really a struggle, but I'm doing it, you know, and thanks to Eric and different people, but it's like everything is like, it's like so white. It's just like a joke, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's not even real. It's like, we have to get over this, this stupid, silly, racist thing and start living our lives and be free. I think that's why we marched. And so I do know that we have the support, but we need somebody to stand up. And I represent an organization called Black Women in Technology out of Los Angeles, I'm from LA. And um, we have a thousand members now. And I wanna be that representation and I want anyone who will, is willing to you know, support me, that would be great. But I think what we need to establish right now tonight is a, di is a diversity panel, a diversity, you know, a, a team. Because if we don't, like what's gonna happen is that we'll have meetings like this again and there won't be enough of us to be able to have a voice, you know, and like the ice blocks and all these great places, it's like no black developers are even involved in any of those. So, so it's like, of course, the, 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 uh, the people that are moving there are, are, are gonna, not be diverse, you know? So it's like, it's just like this constant, we have to just really grow up and get over that, you know, as, as, a, as a city. And, and I moved here from LA to like, you know, empower the city. And so what I wanna ask you is like, can, I don't know if you have the power, but see, this is our taxpayer money too, okay? It's not like, you know, this is just money that comes out of the sky. We work our butts off to put this money into the city, so we deserve to also have a voice. And so what I wanna ask you tonight is would you be willing to put together a diversity team so that we can actually have some representation? Can I get your commitment right now tonight? Are you asking all panelists or are you asking, well, asking Crystal specifically? I'm asking her specifically first. Okay, yeah. So we, I, I, um, I, I commit to that 100%. Yes, um, But the, yay, No, don't everybody. yay for that. Yay tomorrow night though, when okay. you see here, the city council yet yes. again talk about hiring a diversity manager. And what's really important for everyone's voice is here is that as we talk about this concept of diversity, a lot of people are concentrating on the actual hiring of the city, how okay. many employees are hired. That's okay. important. That is important. But what we're going to need from the from the business community, the entrepreneurial community, yes. is continuing to push yes. that we need to see that in procurement. Yes. And that we also need to see that pressure, because you're right, it is our tax dollars, that yes. we 
have on corporate America in terms of what that diversity looks like. So that is what the city's point in hiring someone would be, and but it's going to be multiple phases, and we're going to need your help to continue to push that. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So I guess when we read the B on Wednesday, we'll see what comes out of City Council. Tuesday. Tuesday. Well, your meetings on Tuesday, then the B comes out Wednesday, and they typically oh, have. Like, or the website. Everyone's going to be watching on the, whatever the oh, channel is. Oh, of course. Is. That's right. Yes, we'll be watching yes, on the right? webcast. Right. Yes. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the last question after this gentleman here. So we'll last audience question. Thanks. I think I'm in the right place to ask this question. Um, so I've, I've uh, lived in Midtown since 97, been working in technology since then. And let's say hypothetically I had a idea for a, a hardware and software platform that will revolutionize the service industry. Um, where would I go uh, to make sure that that idea is, is a viable business idea, it's not patented already, and, and get protections for that idea, and then also put it on paper such that I can you know, get funding to, uh, to, to go somewhere with it? It, it seems like... There's yeah, we have, uh, Eric. there's a couple places. We've got a number of, of places in the community, a number of meetup groups, but at Hacker Lab um, is one of them. We have a program that's starting up at the end of February called Startup Hustle, and it's specifically designed to answer those questions. Uh, it's an eight-week boot camp, and it's all about prototyping right away, getting out the door. So you're learning lean startup methodology, and there's no investment required to start your own company. That's like a common myth that I think holds up a lot of people from starting a company is, I don't have any investors. And this is all about bootstrapping your way to the answers and finding out for it as cheaply as possible and as quickly as possible, will somebody buy this? <laughs> Does anyone care about this? And then when you get to the stage of understanding that, you know, it starts out with paper prototypes or whatever, then, you know, the next step, it depends on what it is, 3D printer, you know, electronics prototype, depends on what you're doing, you have those resources um, right here for that. Well, so. that's awesome, because I was, uh, w three of us are coincidentally joining Hacker Lab in the next oh, couple of weeks. Oh, good timing, so. good Thank timing. <laughs> any, other, any other advice uh, for this gentleman? Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, yes. And Join so, the yes. Startup Digest. Well, and that leads into my last question, which is actually not a question, but just kind of an announcement. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to introduce to you who, who uh, haven't met them yet. We have many of the Rails grant winners here, um, very innovative organizations that are going to be uh, rolling things out uh, and, and bigger and better. So I asked them all to come here and kind of put on a name tag and also stand up, I guess, when I call their names. So for you who are interested in knowing more, you know who to talk to. So obviously, IO Labs Brian is here on the panel, and Alana is from Operation Elevate, and Eric from Hacker Labs. So you, so you know about these guys pretty much. But I also wanted to start with, and I'm going, I guess, in order in terms of on the Rails website, the, the winners. But Tracy Savile, who uh, came up and asked a question, is back there with Fourth Wave. And so a mentor program for female tech entrepreneurs uh, to increase the success of female-founded companies here. So she's back there. Thanks, Tracy, for coming. Uh, I don't know, let's see, from Ye Yellow Circle, Miles Maskovich, if he's here, one of the groups that is going to be preparing uh, regional youth for careers in IT. And then we have uh, Alan Ware from Green Tech Ed and Employment. So they're going to be looking at green collar skills for youth. So that's building design, construction, engineering. So Alan's there. 
Square Root Academy, Nicholas Hastings. He's here. He's going to be uh, training the next generation of engineers and scientists coming from underserved areas in Sacramento. So thank you for coming, Nicholas. Um, and then we have Dynasty Video, uh, Lisa Randall, and they may, there they are. Hey, okay, I was wondering who was filming. So, so you're going to be producing a, a video series called Innovation Sacramento about uh, tech companies in the region and opportunities, so welcome. Uh, Aptology, we have Jeff Bennett and Laura Good, and Rich Foreman, is he here? Not here, okay, but Rich, but, but uh, Jeff and Laura, Sorry, it's been a long night. Just started the app for Startup Sack that's online and from Aptology. So definitely look at their website for news about what's going on in the tech community here in Sacramento. And we have Joel Riphagen from Code for Sack that Ash and he started um, to focus on civic tech and boosting that and getting teams together to explore creative solutions for the residents of Sac. So thanks, Joel. We have um, Rocket Department, which is, let's see, Emma Fletcher, and I think I saw Andy, the two Andys here, and along with them, um, <laughs> where are they? Uh, <laughs> good timing, Andy, good timing. So they're opening up um, a prototype lab for hardware and manufacturing, so they're going to be working on Fab City as well, uh, Rocket Department. Nathan Allhouse from Square One Labs, so they're having an accelerator for game development here in Sacramento for game development startups here, Square One Clubs. Tammy Vallejo, is she here? There you are, okay. So E49 Corporation, so it's a space for educating, training, and mentoring business leaders to build and grow local companies that solve social issues, so social focus specific issues, so that's E49 Corporation. And then Entrepreneur Showcase, we have Aaron Anderson, is he still here? I know he's a busy guy, but um, basically that is, uh, they're going to be mentoring area startups that is specifically focusing on what the region is good for. So clean energy, food, healthcare, nutrition, Sacramento-specific startups. And uh, last but not least, Dwayne Wilson, is he here? No? Okay, well, we can skip him. No, just kidding. Uh, Founder Academy, they're also offering a 12-week program to jumpstart new Sacramento startups. So they're going to be offering mentors from Sacramento companies, uh, hands-on curriculum, and back office support. So they're starting that up next month. So just a round of applause for the panelists here for Startup Grants. Congratulations. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what you all do with innovation here in Sacramento. Uh, again, special thanks to Comstocks for partnering up with me on this event, and of course to you guys for, for coming and hanging, hanging out and staying, staying through the entire thing. We have the place until 9 o'clock. There's still plenty of wine and beer and tamales, so feel free to hang out and meet and mingle with uh, the innovators of Sacramento. And thanks again. Yeah.